Deep inside every one of us is a lion waiting to be unleashed. Are you ready to be unleashed into your destiny? As we stand on the edge of time, the web of deception is being unraveled. Carl Joseph offers you the red pill and the keys to unlock the shackles of your mind. Get ready to be transformed by God's supernatural power. Let's join him now. Friend, our broadcast today will take on a serious tone, and I'm going to ask you this question. Have you been handed over to the tormentors? Doesn't sound like fun, does it? What an odd question you might ask, and who in fact are these tormentors anyway? Well, the Gospels have the answer, friend, and especially the Gospel of Matthew. Here's the deal. If you're lacking joy and peace in your life for sustained periods of weeks, months, or even years, then there's something wrong with your Christian walk, friend. This is not the abundant, joyful Zoe life that Christ provided for you when he went to the cross. It's not a normal, spirit-filled Christian condition to mope around in life from one day to the next, feeling down in the dumps and full of angst. This should not be the status quo for us. Satan could be robbing your joy, friend, and it's time to take it back. And why not during this broadcast? In fact, I suggest you could be under demonic spiritual attack, or oppression as it's called, and you may be ignorant to it, or at least until we explore the Gospel of Matthew together. Friend, God's spiritual laws are in effect whether we're aware of them or even believe in them. And I tell you now, in the very same chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus discusses the power of binding and loosing on earth, which many people think is just binding and loosing demons or sickness, and yes, we as Charismatics or Pentecostals don't discount these spiritual truths. We certainly do have authority to bind demonic spirits in the name of Jesus, but what if you've bound offense to yourself and you're living with the consequences each and every day? It should be duly noted the context of this passage of Matthew 18 is about offense in particular. Right before Jesus talks of binding and loosing in verse 18, he outlines the need to approach a brother who's offended you and the need to resolve the offense swiftly and in the right manner. I present this to you for your consideration. As Christians, the number one trap we can fall into is offense. In the last days and in Christ's Olivet Discourse, he warned us that one of the signs of the last days is that many will be offended and betray one another in Matthew 24 verse 10. This ought not to be the case for us, friend. The onus is on us to have a forgiving heart because we should be willing to do what God is willing to do for us. Let's pick it up now in verse 15 of the 18th chapter of Matthew. And these are the words of Jesus. Moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he shall hear you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, then take with you one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. The point here, friend, is that you should be willing to confront the individual who has offended you and even take the matter to the church. But Christ goes on later to explain the importance of forgiving this person in your heart, whether or not he has forgiven you. Now, offense has been described as a transgression or affront against physical or spiritual law or against an individual. Let's not forget that the gospel is also offensive to unbelievers as it pricks their hearts and puts them in a position either to embrace or reject the truth. And there are dire and eternal consequences for rejecting Almighty God in this lifetime, friend. 
Speaking of the need to speak the truth to unbelievers, I'm reminded of the story of Hugh Latimer, who was a preacher during the reign of King Henry VIII. And on one occasion, he had the honor of preaching directly to King Henry in the king's court. However, King Henry was greatly displeased by the bold and brazen delivery of the sermon and ordered Latimer to preach again on the following Sunday and apologize for the offense he had given the king. So, the very next Sunday, after hearing of the king's request, Latimer began his sermon like this. Hugh Latimer, do you know before whom you're about to speak this day to the high and mighty monarch, the king's most excellent majesty, who can take away your life if you offend him? Therefore take heed that you speak not a word that may displease the king. But then consider well, Hugh Latimer. Do you not know on whose behalf you've come, and for whose message you are sent? Even by the great and mighty God, who is all-present, and beholds all your ways, and who is able to cast your soul into hell. Therefore take care, Hugh, that you deliver your message faithfully. He then preached the very same sermon he had preached the preceding Sunday, and with considerable more energy and enthusiasm, I might add. Hugh Latimer was a brave man indeed, friend. The truth bows to no one, and that includes kings on earth, because everyone must give an account to the Lord Jesus, the King of Kings, for the truth they've heard in this lifetime. What we're talking about today, friend, are transgressions you might have made against the royal law spoken of in James 2 verse 8, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. One aspect of this loving attitude is the deliberate choice to forgive the person who's offended you. The sad part is that if a brother has wronged you, the immediate repercussions are bad enough, but by not forgiving them, we're allowing them to influence our lives for the worst in the days ahead. Remember what I've said in previous broadcasts. Holding on to unforgiveness is like drinking from a poisonous well and hoping the other person gets sick. Holding on to offense is flat-out ridiculous when we see it in light of this illustration. And here's another one. Unforgiveness is choosing to stay trapped in a jail cell of bitterness, serving time for someone else's crime. Wow, that's author unknown. I don't know who said it, but it's a very powerful illustration also. Forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior, friend. Forgiveness prevents their behavior from destroying your heart. Now remember, it's in the very same chapter of Matthew 18 that Jesus implores Peter to forgive 70 times 7 in one day. That's 490 times a day, friend. And when we do the math, it equates to once every three minutes. So in effect, if Jesus is asking Peter to forgive every three minutes a day, then God wouldn't ask us to do something he wouldn't be willing to do himself. Therefore, check this, friend. God is willing to forgive you every three minutes too. Amen. Hallelujah. The point is God is a forgiving God and because he's forgiven us of our trespasses and sins against him, he expects us to be forgiving in return. And that's the very crux of this passage I'm about to read to you in Matthew 18. Let's read it now. Verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus said to him, I say unto you, until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. 
Verse 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O you wicked servant, I forgave you of all your debt because you desired me to. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servants, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you, if from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Friend, you can see the grievance of the Lord in this passage. This man was forgiven a debt that in today's currency would equate to approximately $6 billion by some scholars' reckoning. Yet when it came to the servant in question, he was not willing to forego a measly equivalent of $65 in today's money. Friend, can you see how upset God gets with us? The Lord in this passage is a typology of the Lord Jesus Christ. Consider the debt he has forgiven you, our vast sins towards him, your trespasses against him. But Christ chose to die for you. Why would you now hold any debt of offense toward another after being forgiven of such a vast debt yourself? Friend, God cancels all debt for penitent sinners who've come to the realization they're indebted to Christ for what he did. Have you come to that realization yourself? I hope so, friend, and most people listening to this broadcast are Christians, no doubt. But God also requires the fair treatment between men, but especially Christians. But here's the key takeaway from this passage in verse 34. It says, And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Let me put it to you another way. The demonic realm is ever present around us. And when we give legal ground over to them via resentment, hate, bitterness, jealousy, anger, or even unforgiveness, we are in effect being handed over to these tormentors. And friend, we don't want to be in that position. Remember in Ephesians 4.27, the Apostle Paul warned us, neither give place to the devil. I like the ESV version in this case. It says, and give no opportunity to the devil. Friend, we should give the devil no opportunity whatsoever in our lives. But unfortunately, some of us have given him place through holding on to offense. If you have had a long-standing grievance... Let it go today, friend. It could not only be affecting your soul condition, but having an impact on your physical body as well. All issues of sin and righteousness stem from the heart, and the New Testament makes this plain. Our heart is the very epicenter of our decision-making and guidance in life. If your heart is negatively impacted by unforgiveness, you'll struggle to lead a victorious Christian life, because I firmly believe that unforgiveness is a thief. Remember the famous discourse concerning prayer in Mark 11:23 through 25. In verse 23, Jesus discusses the importance of speaking to the mountain or obstacle in our lives. Then in verse 24, he goes on to share the importance of believing we receive when we pray, right? Remember that? But here's the crux of it in verse 25 through 26, verses that many people often overlook. 
and I quote, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow, did you catch that, friend? God isn't going to forgive you if you don't forgive the person who's offended you. Ouch! It's absolutely crucial that you understand the importance of letting go of offense and trespasses today because the Gospel of Mark reveals that a major hindrance to getting our prayers answered is the aspect of harboring unforgiveness in our hearts. Now, for some people out there, the heavens are like brass. You're like, I can't get a breakthrough. I'm praying all the time. But friend, could you be one of these people I'm talking to right now? Could you have unknown and undiagnosed unforgiveness that you've not addressed, but the Father is still holding it against you in the spiritual realm? I ask you to seek your heart. Friend, if you're holding on to offense in your heart, I urge you to let it go today. It's robbing from you in the day-to-day. Remember, the issues of life stem from the heart, and I implore you to steer your life in a new direction today. Because if you don't let go of that offense, your Father in heaven will not forgive you either. And this is a spiritual law. Some people say, well, I don't feel like forgiving the person. Listen, it's an act of faith to forgive someone. It's a decision that isn't based on your feelings, okay? Please understand that. When you make the decision to forgive in your prayer closet and speak out loud by saying the words, I forgive, your feelings will eventually line up with your decision of the will in due course. Let it go today, friend. Don't hang on any longer and you will experience times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who's witnessed God's supernatural power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl is a unique researcher who investigates current affairs, societal trends, technology, cults, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 